With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I don't know how you're doing, but here on Post Show Recaps, we're having the worst day ever. It's worst day ever. It's that 24 Season 2 Recap Podcast, talking about Season 2, Episode 8, the 3 to 4 p.m. hour of Day 2 of 24. I'm Josh Wiggler. Holy shit, Emily Fox, we're going down! An explosion in the air. An explosion in the air. Oh, no! Ah. We're landing, we're crash! I don't even know what's happening I know. Um, But one thing that did happen was, after we watched the episode, just before we hit record, I was like, hey, what did did you give this one? You go A plus. <laughs> and I think you said, uh, what did you say? You were like, I love a natural disaster. Well, no, it's just like a, a lot of things came to a head in this episode in ways that are felt completely implausible. So, of course, I'm going to give it an it's A plus. It's 24. What do you think? Everything is possible in 24. Im- everything's implausible. Um, yeah, Emily, um, what are your theories about what happened to that plane? It looks like it got shot by something. Yeah, it's 24. Yeah. It probably got shot by something. Yeah, yeah. Not like one of the engines blew out. A gigantic Godzilla-sized Jack Bauer shot the plane. (laughs) No, and it's like, you know, they didn't like run into a flock of birds or anything like that. They flew over Gulliver from Gulliver's Travels. (laughs) He got free from the little people who strapped him down and he swiped at the plane. What a random thing to I reference. don't know why that's where I went, but um, <laughs> it's canon now. Sorry I spoiled that. Uh, all right. So Unbelievable. It's, it's season two, episode eight. There is much to discuss in this episode of the show. Uh, we begin the 3 to 4 p.m. hour, Emily, with the fallout of Kim Bauer and Miguel getting uh, <laughs> pulled over. 
with the uh, with the death of Carla in the car and lots of questions. More cops have shown up, and Kim is shell shocked, rightfully so. This is a ridiculous storyline, but she's rightfully tra- uh, traumatized by all of this. Yeah, no, it's upsetting. Um, one thing I realized when we were watching this is that the cop that's in this, the main cop that pulls them over, is the cop who is pretending to be a cop in Hocus Pocus. Oh, right. I don't yeah. remember the context of that. I remember you saying that while we were watching the so episode. So Max runs into him and he's like, I need your help. We we lit the, the virgin candle and now the Sanderson sisters are back. And he's like, you're a virgin? And he's like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Um, They're coming after us. And he's like, you lit the candle? And he's like, ah, why are you so focused on this virgin thing? And then he's like, get out of here. Stop pulling my leg. And then a lady comes down and goes, what's so funny, Eddie? And he goes, those kids messing around. Thought I was a real cop. And then he drives away because it's Halloween night. So it he's is dressed Halloween. Up. It's Halloween. Well, anyway, th- so that's the guy. This dude's a real cop. Do you uh, like that I recognized him? Yeah, of course. I'm Are not surprised. Maybe some people will be surprised by that. But uh, I've known the great Emily Fox for many moons now. Uh, it's a little scary how I'm able to thread the needle with a lot of this Sometimes you're very good at this Yeah, stuff. I recognize people in the wild and you're like, how, how did, you do, did that? you do that? And I'm like, I just... I, I got a thing for faces. Anyway, Kim and Miguel are getting arrested. This cop, who's a real cop from Hocus Pocus, he arrests <laughs> them and he reads them their Miranda rights. Miranda. <laughs> it's your Miranda Steve. rights. <laughs> Miranda, it's Miranda, what have you been doing? It's this the Miranda season. rights. Oh my God. Uh, Kim Cattrall Bauer. You can't make me more ice cream sundaes and think this is just going to go away, Miranda. We don't know when what's happening in End Just Like That as this episode is airing. <laughs> we uh, don't know what's happening. There's a time travel Period. component happening here, so we apologize <laughs> if this was insensitive. Okay, at CTU, Tony leads Bob Warner in, Reza. Uh, I love that Bob and Reza are looking around CTU where they've been brought against their will on their wedding day, on uh, Reza's wedding day anyway. He's like, is it safe in here? This I mean, is the building a- that blew up, right? That's a perfectly logical thing to ask especially like 10 seconds later when tony's like so give me the the 411 and she's like so long and michelle's like hey tony yeah and she's like 30 people died yeah 30 people died we didn't know that there were that many people at ctu did we well they're not anymore 30 (laughs) people 30 people are dead uh michelle is to take bob and raza to separate rooms Mm -hmm. um george wants an update on what's going on and tony says i don't know it's really uh, it's a real conundrum this one's pretty hard to unravel, to be completely honest with you, George. Sometimes it seems like it's Bob. Other times it seems like it's Reza. I don't know. How hard do I have to push these guys? George's like, as hard as you have to. Stick bamboo shoots under yeah. their fingernails if you want. Very Saeed Jarrah versus I Sawyer in season one. Don't of Lost. follow that specific technique, but yeah. it sounds awful. That's what Saeed did to Sawyer in the jungle in, uh, oh, really? in Confidence Man, the first Sawyer episode Ew. of Lost. Um, all right, in Oregon, this I love so much. Roger Stanton comes up to Lynn Kresge. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Roger. Ooh, uh, would you like a cookie, Roger? Oh, I wouldn't mind a Lynn Kresge. And he takes a quick Lynn Kresge. Uh, and then he says, hey, Lynn, um, what's going on with Sherry Bauer? And Lynn's like, I know. And it's definitely awkward. Uh, and uh, I think he's like, are you okay with her having security clearance? And Lynn's, this is her verbatim responses. It's different. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm keeping an eye on if it's a problem. And Roger says, that's his ex-wife. I'm pretty sure that's a problem. So say what you will about Roger Stanton. I don't think he's (laughs) wrong here. Um, Meanwhile, Sherry and David are talking about Ron Wieland, uh, the journalist who's going to go public about the bomb. They can't afford this panic. 
Uh, and Sherry has a plan. She wants to make Ron an offer he can't refuse. To which, at that moment in time, Emily just shouted out at the TV, sexual favors. <laughs> I forgot I did that. Yeah, well, you did, and I didn't forget because I have the notes that say, <laughs> Emily says, sexual favors. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to motivate someone, I suppose. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a quid pro quo. We don't like this. No, uh no. So uh, back at the Kim situation, Megan is being led away by a police officer. Kim, I'm scared. And Kim's like, oh, oh no, I've ruined your life. I've yeah, contributed to the ruining of your life. I mean, I think Megan's life was in a, in a tough spot anyway, considering the, the Gary and Carla of it mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim, uh, she's always getting arrested, says Emily Fox in this moment. <laughs> She's always having a run-in with law enforcement. It's her second time being yeah. arrested. You had a, a hilarious observation, too. So she's getting arrested. She's getting put in the Hocus Pocus car. And the Hocus Pocus police officer allows her to ride shotgun in yeah. the car? Like, what is this? It's not even like the back seat is occupied. Yeah, yeah. They took two what separate squad cars, one for Miguel, one for her. <laughs> so there's plenty of space in the back seat. Yeah. Yet she's riding in the front. So I was like, maybe she's not in as much trouble as we think she is. And he's know. like, no, I got to get you booked. And yeah. I'm like, what are you doing in the front? She says, you call my found- dad. Yeah. And it's not like she was speeding only. Like you found a dead woman in the trunk of the car. Like this does not necessitate shotgun status. Yeah. Uh, so she's in she's in the front seat, uh, something, something Friday. And so she's in the front and... And she says, call my dad. He works at CTU. He's going to explain that it would not be great for you to return us to Los Angeles. He says, all right, maybe I'll call him a little later. Meanwhile, in Vesalia, Nina is interrogating Fahin. uh, And Michelle is on the other line translating the call. Um, but they are not able to get any information from this. And Jack decides, you're done. You're done. You're not getting anything. It's over. I don't know why I decided to turn this into the uh, voice of, of an impression that we do in our real lives of a different person who shall remain nameless. Um, but he says, we're going to handle You are done. <laughs> you are done. Uh, decides to bring Nina to Los Angeles. I'm not doxing anyone, but... Uh, <laughs> I kind of think you are. Well, uh, well all it takes. an audience of one might be able to figure it out. Um, <laughs> Nina is uh, is basically then... Be- Jack's going to kill me. Jack's taking me off so that he can take me in a car and drive me alone so he can kill me. And I've got to deal with the president. And uh, Michael Cutlets uh, says, Jack, you can't do that. And he and his partner pull guns on Jack. They're like, you cannot just take her and kill her. Jack's like, why not? Also, like, was he actually going to kill her? I don't know, Emily. He was frantically trying to put her in a car with just a passenger of one himself, and she was not riding shotgun. Yeah. And he seemed pretty mad that he wasn't allowed to do that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um... Meanwhile, at the Warner household, uh, Kate, who definitely has abandoned her duties of canceling the wedding. So people are going to show up, especially (laughs) considering what happens to Kate at the end of this episode. As someone who has worked in catering, I could just see myself being so annoyed that I got all of the hors d'oeuvres ready to go. And like then she comes out and she's like, by the way. So sorry, this is canceled. Uh, so she, uh, her, her old friend Ralph, the private eye, was unavailable. So this is his colleague Paul, who uh, I'm blanking on the name of the actor, but he, if you remember Emily, season one of The Sopranos, one of those tracksuit mobster guys, he was one of the really important season one antagonists. He doesn't make it out of season one. This is the same guy. Um, Don't remember. So he's there. He's trying to like hack the computer with her. So we'll check in with them a little bit. Uh, meanwhile, a very loaded first meeting. 
meeting between Sherry and Roger in Oregon. As Roger and Sherry meet in the hallway outside of Ron Whelan's <laughs> little secret prison room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Roger says, well, Sherry, it's very weird that you're here. And I'm a little concerned about the flow of information today. And Sherry says, oh, well, Roger, I'm sure you're careful about the flow of information every day. Uh, so it's a little tense there, Emily. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, in uh, Ron Whelan's room, the dude is armed to the teeth with books and newspapers. Yeah, like, what is this? He's just being given so much reading material. Yeah, he's like, oh, thanks so much for the library access. I like, mean, like, they gave doing? him, they gave him, like, 800 different newspapers to choose he from. He looks like he's making a collage or paper mache. Yeah, he's going to make like some sort of like paper mache bust of David Palmer. No, he's uh, not. I'm going to leave this thrilled. place and I'm going to have a hell of a story and a hell of a paper mache <laughs> statue. And my art project and my will art just project's speak coming, for itself. My art project's coming along nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, where did you get all this stuff? The point of this is like you're being put in detention basically. Yeah. And like the cardinal rule of detention is that we waste your time you don't get anything done yeah, you're Ron supposed to Leland, sit there and think about what you've potentially Ron done is really complaining about this what a, uh, a privileged guy look yeah. at like uh you know his incarceration experience is pretty good all I know. things considered unbelievable uh sherry basically says hey when you get out of here could you not talk about any of this because if you promise you won't I'll promise that you'll get out of here fast and the president will take you inside the OC. And he says, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm just going to be able to get out of here anyway and tell a really good story. So uh, we'll stay tuned to that. Meanwhile, at 318, we start this story of... uh, the second waivers getting second thoughts about whether or not to go forward with the nuclear bomb. Oh, right. Because they're in their truck and the tire gets a flat. And, and they this, have the most dramatic scene yeah, this, of like spinning out of control. Like they were driving in the suburbs and they were going pretty slow. I don't they understand. They hit a pothole. This dude, this Bobby Bacala looking dude <laughs> gets out of the truck. He's like, you guys all right? Oh my God, I saw that. And like, we'll just tell, we'll just talk this storyline through because it's fun uh is he's like hey you know uh I'll, I'll just fix your tire for you it's no problem at all and everyone's like uh are we gonna have to kill this guy so he doesn't find the nuclear bomb in our car but no he just fixes their tire gives them a card he's they like try to give him like some cash and to he t- i don't him. need your cash no this is like one of those moments of like 24 being like not all americans you know yeah except like <laughs> <laughs> this is like so unbelievable. 24 loves doing these moments of like, we're not all bad. Yeah. You yeah. know, some of us are, but not all of us. Uh, and so this guy is, uh, he's trying to do the right thing. What and a so, white savior. And so one of the, <laughs> one of the truck, the truck driver is going to be very upset by this. And 10 minutes from now, not even in fact, I think it's like five minutes after the tire is changed. He pulls the car over and he's having doubts. I have doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, I don't want to do this. I don't want to kill anyone. And so the guy riding shotgun with him is like, ah, all right, I got to kill you. And so he shoots him. He shoots the truck driver and then goes around to the other side to pull him out of the driver's seat. But he didn't kill him. He just shot him lethally, but he's still alive long enough to now kill the guy who killed him. And they're both dead. And the third guy is left 
all on his lonesome to With finish this alone. Beautiful flowing locks. He's got beautiful flowing locks. Uh, this guy, uh, there's a couple of people, again, uh, lots of lost crossover in season two of 24. We're far from finished with that. Um, but this guy, I believe, was one of Saeed's superiors in one oh, of the really? uh, Saeed flashback episodes. I think the one from season two that Clancy Brown is in, if I'm not mistaken. Blanking on the name, but I'm almost positive that that is the guy. Um, anyway, so that's what's going on with them. And then, uh, meanwhile, on the airplane, uh, they get they're back on their way from uh, from uh, Vesalia, Valencia, and Nina <laughs> Nina is coming up empty with Fahin, and she's just sort of like looking at her fifty dollar gift card. She's like, "Shit, they blew up the thrift store. What do I spend this on now?" Mm, well, we'll find out. In just but it a has moment. a jagged edge to it now, though. Oh my you god, that? Uh, I did notice that. Of course, uh, I'm glad that you did. Uh, and then Jack sure is did. talking with Nina. It's like, Nina, you got to be straight with me. Are we gonna get anything out of this guy? She's like, I don't know. What do we do, Jack? And she's like playing up the old dynamic and Jack does not like that she's playing the old dynamic. So he throws her back into her seat. Meanwhile, <laughs> Kim is with the cop and the cop thinks she's just telling stories. You got your friend, Miguel, he's got quite the imagination. He says something about a nuclear bomb in L.A. And Kim's very quiet. He's like, I said he said something about a nuclear bomb in L.A. She's like, I'm not supposed to talk about it, uh, but maybe. And he's trying to call the FBI, this guy. But no one can reach the FBI. Lots of traffic on What's their lines going on today. today. I'm not entirely sure. Um, okay, so uh, we're gonna see that uh, back at uh, at at the what <laughs> what what's so funny? Okay, uh, now what? <laughs> Sherry Palmer is gonna say David Ron's not gonna play ball, and David's like, okay, you are dismissed. And, he's, and she's like, why are you being so mean to me? He's like, it's not about you. Today, it's about the nuclear bomb and the possible cabal against me that we need to root out. Bow to Stern. Uh, anyway, he's like, all right, Sherry, you can stick around. She's like, thanks. I promise I'll be cool. Uh, mm. Let me help you. If what I bring to you can be useful, then you can consider it the start of a new confidence. David says, I promise you absolutely nothing in that regard. Why don't you want my heart, David? We get this little detail with um, uh, at the Warner house as uh, as Paul and Kate are looking through all this stuff. There's like this. Uh, oh, my God. There's yes. all this added up. Uh, like Kate's doing math, which is always very brave. Uh, and That's she's almost five hundred thousand dollars. Good job, Kate. Uh, <laughs> that this there's almost five hundred thousand dollars that's been given in consulting services to Syed Ali, uh, and then Paul finds this thing that like self deletes the program. It's this like directory encoded encryption that is like only sourced through government Burn this records. after reading type stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so, like, why would Bob have Why would Bob have this government this? thing? Yeah. Uh, and so at CTU, Bob immediately tells Tony why he would have this government thing if we are to believe what he says. And he says, I'm a consultant for the CIA. So this is getting kind of interesting, right? Because we've been we've been sort of framing Bob up as possibly a bad guy in right. addition to Reza. But here's Bob saying... I was recruited uh, because of my international business dealings by the CIA to be a conduit to pass information back and forth. I don't know to whom. Yeah. That's the truth. But here's my card with my contact. I wasn't supposed to say shit because you know the deal agent Almeida. Uh, and Tony's like, oh, man, this this does look legit. Uh <laughs> Meanwhile, a crazy thing is going to go down um, after Tony shows George Bob Warner's CIA contact stuff. Uh, 
Kim Bauer is making her one phone call to CTU to talk to dad, and Michelle patches it through to Jack on the plane, and she's crying and recapping everything that's happened, and George is on the line too, being like, I'll handle it, Jack, you focus on the thing, but Jack wants to hear from his estranged daughter, but also Nina Myers is talking to Fahin. Um, Fahin, by the way, was Omar Kimi's sidekick in season four of Lost. Uh, So how about that, Emily Fox? Um, and, uh, Nina's like leaning in and talking to her and Jack's like trying to, he's all split focused and Nina. Well, it's like two different plot lines happening at the same time. Yes, colliding. And Kim's just being a pain in the ass. But this is sort of classic 24 stuff, right? Like this is what the split screen is all about. This is what the real time element is for is so that stories can collide in these really tense and kinetic ways. And yeah. I am not out here saying that the Kim the Kim Bauer storyline is worthwhile in any way, shape, or form, but this is probably one of the best uses of it because she is a source of tension for Jack. She's his surviving, you know, family member. She's his daughter, and he cares about her and wants her to be okay, and he wants to reconnect with her, but at the same time, he needs to stop the nuclear bomb, and these two things are both hitting each other at the same time as Nina takes the $50 gift card and buys Fahin's throat. Wow, have you been waiting to say that? For a couple couple of uh, hours, hours now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you write that down? No, I just, okay. I knew I would remember it. It's pretty good, huh? <laughs> Ripping throats. It's a pretty thr- a pretty thrifty joke. Oh, wow. Ripping throats. Uh, man, so much MacGruberisms. We love this. Um, Do you know one way to silence Kim? <laughs> Rip her throat. No, let the bomb go off. Oh, my God, Emily. <laughs> um, Nina is able to get some information from Fahin of where the bomb is. and so Supposedly, she ki- And so she kills him. Well, but then she you know, states her terms. Take me to San Diego. I want civilian transport to Sao Paulo. Uh, and if you do that, I will tell you where the bomb is. And Jack says, this is how it's going to work. We will take you to San Diego. We will land. You will tell us where the bomb is. We will hold you until we find the bomb. Got it? And, and she she's says, like, all right. And she says, got it. So you assume that she does know stuff. Um Meanwhile, uh, at CTU, uh, uh, Michelle has found something in the Fahin recordings. Fahin was talking about a guy named Marco, and George runs up to Reza. Who is Marco? Tell me. (laughs) And Reza's like, why are you grabbing me? And George's like, I don't know. I'm going to throw up. And so he does. He's not doing great, Emily. No, he's not. Uh, it's a not lot good. of things are happening. There's there's just like the highest of high tensions. Uh, and so at the police precinct, uh, Kim and Miguel are both here. Apparently Megan is here as well. Uh, and the cop's like, all right, so I did look into the CTU thing. Your dad is Jack Bauer. Uh, is it true about this nuclear bomb? And Kim goes, yeah, it is. I'm so sorry, but it's totally true. And this cop, the hocus pocus cop's like, oh, well, that sucks. I'm <laughs> feeling like, pretty. Get up and leave. I'm feeling, uh, feeling pretty, pretty worried about that. I, I'm a little sweaty. At CT- I gotta go. At CTU. Man, Michelle Dessler's just having a hard day. And Tony is. Almeida. And Tony Almeida comes up to her and he says, hey, you, gotta, you got some blood on your neck. Are you okay? And she goes, it's not my blood. She starts to cry a little bit. And Tony says, hey, we're going to be all right. We're going to survive this, okay? Go get a sandwich. Go get changed. Go clean up. It's going to be okay. You'll Michelle looks up at Tony and goes, okay. And he goes, all right. And she goes, all right. And he goes, all right. <laughs> and she, sorry, 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 sorry. Sorry, I got wow, distracted. Wow, you just totally uh, went into your uh, own little fantasy I'm so world. sorry. I'm so sorry. I just got lost in the tendrils of my mind. <laughs> my God. 
But he does say something to the extent of like, Emily, how are you feeling about it though, huh? We're going to make it through this day. Yeah, we're going to make it. How and you, I'm like, are you? How are you feeling about this? The heat. I did, turn up the heat, right? The thermostat. Someone hit the thermostat here. Someone turned up the heat and turned down the volume. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> David Palmer is in Oregon eating a half of a sandwich and a rocket salad. And also there's some <laughs> ramekins on the table when he discovers that Ron Whelan has been released. He didn't make that call. So how did he get out? This is a very big question. We will find out the answer to that in a future episode, I am sure. Meanwhile, Kate and Paul, let's just say it, get captured. Uh, They get captured as they were trying to puzzle out why all this stuff is going on. They get abducted and knocked out and placed in a truck. Emily says, finally, we get Kate to shut the F up. Uh, Except she said the full word. That's more her line than mine. Uh, And then you also asked me, so who just captured them? The producers of the show? (laughs) Good job, Fox. Very funny. Listen, they needed to stop the plot line somehow. Maybe the best way to do it was to drive them off set. Possibly. (laughs) Um, Final scene of the episode is one of my very favorite Jack Bauer scenes ever, is when he's deciding to talk to Nina about the last real very good day that he had with Terry Bauer. He says, the Sunday before you killed my wife, we went to the boardwalk in Venice, watching rollerbladers and musicians. There was a snow cone stand. They laughed with the crazy people. We laughed at the crazy at people. At the crazy people, which I feel is an insensitive joke to make. Uh, Mental health is not a joke. It's true. Uh, but they, they, there was a snow cone stand, and Terry wanted one, and she met a friend online. She like made a friend online with a total stranger. And Jack says, how do you do that? How do you just become friends with an absolute stranger and laugh? Someday I'll like have amnesia, Jack, and someone will need to recognize me in the crowd. He said it was a gift. He remembers wishing he he that he could do that, but he can't. That was Terry. That was my wife, and that's what you took from this world, Nina. And Nina's just like lizard-eyeing him through the whole story. Uh, one of, I think, Kiefer Sutherland's best performances in the show. Uh, I really do love this scene. I think it's really good. It makes you sad. Uh, it's a better tribute to Terry Bauer than anything that happened in season one of 24. That's true. Um, and then the plane gets hit, and we end the episode, and it would appear uh, we're going down, folks. What's going to happen when the plane lands? I guess we're going to find out on the next episode of 24, Season 2, and Worst Day Ever. An A-plus, Emily Fox? A-plus. Let's see if we can keep the streak alive when we return next week with another episode of that 24 podcast you like so much. Until then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.